These are the tribulations of Paulette. back at the extended stay hotel to get ready for the high school reunion. Ted, my high school boyfriend, has co-opted my digs and he's asleep on the bed in front of the BC football game. This seems eerily familiar as I imagine my husband Dave, 50 miles to the north, doing the exact same thing. Would Ted turn into Dave if I lived with him? Yikes! I decide to take a bath, and as I sink into the nice hot tub, I consider what I've gotten myself into. What is it about Ted that attracts me? There's no question that I'm in a hormonal juggernaut. I keep going back to that subterranean kiss we had in my car last year. It took 10 years off my life, and I've dreamed of a sidecar at that fountain of youth ever since. Yet... Fate continues to conspire against us, and we can't seal the deal. Right now, for example, we are alone in a hotel room. God knows what manner of rekindled passion could be going on. Instead, Ted sleeps off his hangover under the drone of a sports show, while I ponder life's great mysteries in another room. Well, the afternoon shouldn't be a total loss. I climb out of the tub and lay my terry cloth robe on the bathroom floor. I pull the intruder from my bag and lie down for some pre-reunion stress relief. I close my eyes and imagine sexy situations with Ted, then Dave, then for some reason Arnold, the Hibernian Hall caretaker, then back to Ted. I'm Tennyson's eagle on the edge of the precipice and about to swoop down toward the briny sea when the frayed AC cord of the intruder ejaculates sparks and goes poof. At the same time, the lights go out in the bathroom. There's a sharp knock on the door. Paulette, are you all right? It's Ted. I stand to attention, slightly weak-legged, and half annoyed at being called from the throes of bliss. The light switch doesn't work, and the intruder is having a post-coital smoke. I unplug it, hide it in the shower, and open the bathroom door. What's going on, I ask? Ted leans into the bathroom and sniffs. I might ask you the same thing, he says. Oh, my hairdryer blew up, I say. Well, the power's out in the entire room. The TV's gone. I'll call the front desk, Ted says. After the manager promises to send someone up to hit the circuit breaker, Ted and I sit on the bed. Well, this is it, he says. Yep, I say. This is it. It'll be over before you know it. I think you should know, Ted says, as he moves closer, how beautiful you looked last night and how much I am in love with you. Wow! Big declaration, Ted. 
No wonder this feels so good. It's love. We kiss again for what seems like an eternity. So what are we going to do, I ask as I stroke Ted's balding head. He takes me in his arms and says, Well, I think there's only one thing left. Become Facebook friends, I ask, as his mouth covers mine. We roll around on the bed, a passion sandwich. My robe falls open, Ted's shirt is off, and anything inside me that had a notion of dying roars back to life. Of course you know, Ted adds, mid-kiss, that this doesn't change anything. I sit up. Well, what is that supposed to mean? Well, I'm never going to leave Ingrid. Things are tense right now with the market the way it is anyway. This would really do her in. She can never know about us. I feel like Shirley MacLaine in the apartment. Is Ted having a midlife crisis just like mine? Does he care about me? Is he using me? Maybe all this talk of love is just a diversion to get me in the sack. Or in this particular case, to keep me in the sack. In truth, there's nothing for old Ingrid to find out about anyway, except for a lot of groping in that bath Ted and I almost took at the Shangri-La Hotel. These are not capital offenses. But shared emotional intimacy is a capital offense, even more than sex. Seems like Ted needs socks for his cold feet. And then there's a knock on the door. I assume it's the guy to fix the circuit breaker. Ted gets up and looks through the peephole. It's Mary Grover, he says. She knocks again, more insistently. You can't be here, I say. She'll blab. I'll just hide, Ted says, and he slips into the bathroom. I open the door and Mary Grover falls into my arms, sobbing. What's wrong, I ask. It's my hair, she says, as she pushes past me and flops onto the bed. The electricity went out right in the middle of my blow dry. There's a lot of that going around, Mary. My cell rings, and it's the caterer calling from the Hibernian Hall. Hey, I may have solved your balloon popping problem, he says. Hang on, I say to him. I turn to Mary and tell her I'll be right back, and I step out of the room into the hallway for some privacy. What would Jesus do, I ask the caterer. He'd wear my 10-gallon Stetson, the caterer says. After all, it is a hoedown. That okay with you? I mean, you're not overly religious or anything, are you? Lapsed Catholic, I tell him. I get upset about other things. I don't know. I suppose somebody would freak out. And as those words come out of my mouth, I hear a scream come from inside the room. (coughs) Hang on a second, I tell the caterer, and I step back inside. It came from the bathroom. I open the door. Mary Grover, her trousers down around her ankles, has come face to face with a half-naked Ted, who stands behind the open shower curtain, holding the slick remains of the exploded intruder. We're good to go with the hat on Jesus, I tell the caterer, who is still on the phone. God just evened the score.
This is Eric Fontana. Next time, home wrecker. Till then, ta ta. Wonder time and wonderland.